I'm here last week. I'll introduce myself again. I'm a hometown boy. Uh, Doug was my youth minister back in the day. Uh, I went to high school with Bridget and Alex there. and uh, was in a youth group with Drew. Hi, Drew. Um, that's my wife and my brother and my other brother. Um, this is my first ever sermon series. It is called Major Words for Minor Prophets. First of all, what is a minor prophet? That's an easy one. A minor prophet is somebody who wrote a book that was less than 40 chapters. Uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, those guys are major prophets because they were, wrote majorly long books. Uh, so anybody who wrote a less majorly long book is a minor prophet. It doesn't mean their messages are any more important, and that's why the title is Major Words for Minor Prophets. Uh, most of the time in churches, we don't talk much about minor prophets especially, or prophets in general, uh, because a couple of reasons. One is that you have to really understand kind of the history of Israel to understand what in the world they're talking about. So, uh, because we're going to be talking about a specific minor prophet, that would be Habakkuk. Uh, Wes, do you know if your baby's going to be a boy or a girl? Boy. You might consider the name Habakkuk. Okay. Um, because, right, really, what a great name. Uh, the, the title of this sermon was going to be Habakkuk, Nothing Rhymes with Habakkuk. But I started thinking about that as like pickup truck, kind of rhymes with the back. Anyway, uh, because we're talking about a specific minor prophet, we are going to talk about uh, some, uh, just a really brief history of Israel. I call it Patrick's two-minute tour of the Old Testament. Oh, there it is. Number one, God creates stuff. You will find that in the book of Genesis. Uh, number two, God calls Abraham to start a nation, and Abraham says, okay, that is also in the book of Genesis. Number three, Abraham has Isaac, Isaac has Jacob, and Jacob has 12 sons who will later become the 12 tribes of Israel. All of this is in the book of Genesis. Uh, Jacob and the boys move to Egypt, where they are fruitful and multiply, uh, and they multiply out into 12 tribes. This happens in between the book of Genesis and Exodus, sort of in between the lines. Uh, number five, the 12 tribes are enslaved by Egypt. This also happens in between Genesis and Exodus. Number six, God calls Moses to deliver the slaves and deliver the law. Moses says no several times, and then he says, okay. Uh, this happens in the book of Exodus. After a 40-year detour, and the 40-year detour is in the book of Numbers, uh, the 12 tribes arrive in the Promised Land. That's in the book of Joshua. Uh, the tribes are ruled by Judges. That's in the book of Judges. Uh, and then the tribes are ruled by King Saul, and that's in 1 Samuel. Uh, King David rocks the house. That's in 2 Samuel. David's son Solomon builds the temple and builds an empire. It's a little bit in 2 Samuel, a little bit in 1 Kings. Solomon, everybody, now we're, now we're the names that people have heard of. David, check. We know David. He wrote all the Psalms. Got it. Uh, Solomon, the wise guy. Yes, we remember him. Uh, now we get to some names that people aren't familiar with. Solomon had a son named Rehoboam. Solomon was wise about very many things, but he was not wise about raising children, apparently. Uh, and Rehoboam was dumb and did some things that caused a civil war uh, in the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom to split the ten tribes... Ten tribes were the northern kingdom of Israel, and two tribes, the kingdom of Judah, which uh, Rehoboam and Solomon and David were all from, and Benjamin, they formed the south and their Judah. Then, after 200 years of idolatry uh, and injustice, Israel is destroyed by the Assyrian Empire. Ten tribes, a whole nation, just wiped out by the Assyrians. We talked about the book of Amos last week, and we talked about Amos delivering a message of doom to the people of Israel because they were unjust, because they mistreated the poor. Uh, and because they didn't love, because they did that, they showed that they did not love God. And so God warned them and warned them and warned them, and they didn't take it, and so God wiped them out. Uh, then, the, the Assyrian Empire was destroyed by the Babylonian Empire. Years pass. So a hundred years after the nation of Israel is destroyed, uh, a guy named Habakkuk happens along. And Habakkuk is, as Amos was, a prophet. 
What is a prophet? Uh, I can explain it to you, but I feel also that it can be explained very well by an asparagus. So, an asparagus will now explain. This was a memorable day because he showed up. Jonah. Now, Jonah was the prophet of God, which means he was one of the very special people God used to deliver messages to Israel. He was kind of like a mailman, except his letters came straight from God. <laughs> anyway, Jonah loved helping his friends by bringing them God's messages. Sometimes the messages were good, sometimes they were not so good. But when the prophet talked, everybody listened. And that's what a prophet is. A prophet is like a mailman. Uh, a prophet delivers a message from God. Uh, and that's the, the first thing on your sheet here is a prophet is someone who receives a message from God and then delivers it. So uh, Habakkuk is a prophet. Amos is a prophet. Normally when we think of a prophet, we think of somebody who tells the future. Uh, and prophets did that. Uh, Jonah, for instance, was a prophet who told the future, but it was a conditional future. Jonah told the people of Nineveh, God is going to destroy you if... You don't change. Amos' message was a conditional message of the future. God will destroy you if you don't change. And they didn't change, and God destroyed them. So we normally think of a prophet as someone who tells the future, but they don't always tell the future. Uh, sometimes they tell people how it is. Uh, and that's also what Amos did, was told people how it was. You heard also from the Veggie Tales here that a prophet sometimes delivers a good message and sometimes delivers a bad message. Uh, last week, Amos was kind of a bad message. Uh, Israel is going to die. Most people would consider a bad message. Uh, Habakkuk, actually, is on the other end of the spectrum. Habakkuk delivers a good message. Uh, I've heard this said about the Bible and about prophets in general, uh, and it's, it's also great for preaching in general, is that the Word of God, the purpose of the Word of God is to do two things, is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Uh, so Amos comes to people who are sitting back, fat and sassy, and just satisfied with their lives and not doing what God wants them to do, and Amos delivers a, a message that afflicts them. And Amos tells them, you need to be concerned about what God is concerned about. You need to be concerned about the poor. Habakkuk is coming at a time when the southern kingdom, those two tribes uh, in the south, they are on the verge of being destroyed. Uh, it is a time when the nation of Judah doesn't know what's going to happen to it. Their future is uncertain uh, and things are looking rough. And Habakkuk comes at that time and delivers a message from God, which brings comfort to those who are afflicted. So if you have a Bible with you, turn to the book of Habakkuk if you can find it. It's on page 13, 16. I'm just kidding. Um, all the pages are different in the different Bibles. Anyway, uh, it's right after Nahum, Micah, Amos. If you hit Malachi, you've gone too far. It's after Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all those long ones. So take a minute, if you can, to find Habakkuk. Habakkuk is an unusual prophet uh, because Habakkuk engages in conversation with God. Most prophets receive a message, they deliver the message, and there's not much back and forth between the prophet and God. Uh, there are occasionally prophets who do that. Jeremiah is one who uh, honestly spends a lot of time complaining to God, not so much liking the task that God has given him to do. And so Jeremiah spends a lot of time talking to God. Uh, but really, Habakkuk and Jeremiah are the only prophets who really, uh, you might consider it talking back, but uh, we'll call it engaging in conversation with God. In fact, uh, Habakkuk opens... It says that uh, at the very first chapter, very first verse, it says that this is an oracle which Habakkuk receives, but it opens with a question from Habakkuk to God. And the question goes a little something like this. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2. How long, O Lord, will I call for help and you will not hear? I cry out to you violence, yet you do not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you cause me to look on wickedness? 
Yes, destruction and violence are all around me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored. Justice is not upheld. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. So, that's the question. God, uh, I see wickedness all around me. Why is that again? Uh, Habakkuk basically is asking the question, and we've probably all asked this question at some point or another. Basically asks the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And why do good things happen to bad people? That's the question that Habakkuk asks. Uh, how many of you have ever wondered that? Show of hands. Why do bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people? Well, you're in good company because the prophet, a prophet of God, a man whose job is to deliver a message of God, is asking God the same exact question. Uh, God, how long will I cry for help and you not hear? Why, why do the wicked surround the righteous? Why do the wicked prosper? This is a question that's all over the Bible, by the way. Uh, it's in just a whole bunch of the Psalms and also in the prophets. Habakkuk basically accuses God of being unjust. Uh, and you may have heard, you may have had a head scratcher about this question too in the past. If God is good and God is all powerful, then why do bad things happen? That is a head scratcher. Um, it is said, I haven't seen official proof of this, but it's said that Einstein uh, believed, that, that believed in the possibility of there being a creative force behind the universe, like a creator. But Einstein just couldn't understand how a good and all powerful God would allow bad things to happen. So, if you're confused by that, Einstein was confused by that too. So. Uh, take that for what it's worth. Habakkuk basically accuses God of being unjust. Accuses God of just, just asking God, God, why is this this way? And God answers that he has a plan. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. God answers, this is God's response to Habakkuk's question. Look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I am doing something in your days that you would not believe if you were told. That sounds good. God says, oh, uh, just you wait. I've got something up my sleeve. And then the next part is a little, uh, a little less exciting, especially for Judah. Behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, or Babylonians is another name for them, that fierce and impetuous people who march through the earth to seize dwelling places which are not theirs. Now think about this for a second. Habakkuk asks God, God, why do the wicked prosper? Why do the righteous uh, fall? Why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? And God's answer is, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> Just wait. Uh, oh, there's so much worse coming, basically, is what God says. So, uh, the God, 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 you're free to ask God any question that you like. But uh, just remember that God will answer the way he wants, uh, just as a warning. Habakkuk uh, takes this in, uh, accepts that God has a plan. God, God basically says, I know what I'm doing. Uh, something that you haven't, I'm doing something that you have not seen before. That's why you don't understand it. It's because nothing like this has ever happened before. But don't worry. I think is the subtext of what God is saying. Don't worry. It looks really bad. But it's, you haven't seen anything like this before. I'm going to work it out. I promise. Uh, Habakkuk, understandably, sort of asked the question again in a different way. Uh, this is a good tactic. If you're in a conversation with someone, you ask them a question and they say something that you have absolutely no idea what they mean. Ask the question again in a different way. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 12. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We will not die. Habakkuk is expressing faith. You, O Lord, have appointed them to judge. Habakkuk says, I get that. You've appointed the Babylonians. I can, I can live with that. And you, O Rock, have established them to correct. Your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? The Habakkuk says, yes, okay, I accept that. You've appointed the Babylonians to judge, to judge Israel, to take them to task. 
to uh, to punish them for their sins. I can accept that. But I can't because <laughs> you don't uh, you don't accept the righteous. And yet you seem to be accepting you don't accept the unrighteous, but you seem to be accepting the righteous. Um, God answers again. Habakkuk chapter two. Habakkuk chapter two, verse one. Habakkuk says, I will stand at my guard post. I will station myself on the wall. I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how may I, how may I, how I may reply when I am reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It hastens toward the goal and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. God says, again, I have a plan. It's coming. I will work it out. Uh, behold, verse 4, Habakkuk 2, 4. If you're the kind of person who likes to underline in your Bible, this is a good verse to underline. Habakkuk 2, verse 4. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. Habakkuk asks the question, God, why do bad things happen to good people and why do good things happen to bad people? God's answer is, the proud one will be destroyed and the righteous will live by faith. That doesn't exactly answer the question. But maybe God is saying, Habakkuk, you're not asking the right question. Uh, for God, it was more important to explain to Habakkuk the way that he was supposed to live in spite of what he didn't understand than it was for him to understand. Uh, the book of Isaiah, one of the major prophets, says uh, that God's ways are higher than our ways and God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Um, how many of you have experience with two-year-olds? Is it... Is it, is it fun for you to ex try to explain things to two-year-olds when two-year-olds really want something and you really don't want them to and you try to explain it to them? God is... Uh, how far you are above a two-year-old is nothing compared to how far God is above us. So when we ask God a complicated question, if God explains it to us and we don't understand, that's, it kind of makes sense. Um, but God explains what he needs for us to know. And in this case, Habakkuk explains what he needs for him to know is that the righteous will live by faith. Uh, and also, God promises something else in Habakkuk 2.6, or 2.7. Now he's speaking to Babylon. Will not all your creditors rise up suddenly, and those who collect from you awaken? Indeed, you will become plunder for them. Because you have looted many nations, all the remainders of the people will loot you. Because of human bloodshed and violence done to the land, to the town and all its inhabitants. So God says, for, for now, I am allowing Babylon to come and punish Israel. Because that is my purpose and that is my plan for now. But that will not last. Empires fall. Every worldly empire that has ever stood against God has fallen. Babylon being a case in point. And God promises that and says they're, they're wicked. I, get, I understand that more than anybody else. They're not going to last. Uh, I promise that. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 20. Uh, this is how God ends the conversation. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Now, if, if the book of Habakkuk ended there, it, was sort of, it would really be kind of a head-scratching book. Habakkuk asks a point-blank question. God, why do bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people? God says, I got a plan. God says, the righteous will live by faith. If we stop there, we're kind of left scratching our heads and saying, well, you didn't really answer the question, God. And that's kind of true. But then something very interesting happens in chapter 3. And this is something that's also very, very unusual for a prophet. Uh, all of a sudden, Habakkuk bursts into song <laughs> uh, in chapter 3. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, uh, according to this crazy Hebrew word that is a kind of song. So basically, you have two chapters of prophecy, or two chapters of a message from God, and a conversation with Habakkuk and God. And then chapter 3 is 
a song. And the song is about an appearance of God. Habakkuk ends with a song describing an appearance of God. Uh, bless you. I won't read the, the whole thing, but it describes God coming. Uh, like God, God coming down from a mountain. It describes mountains shaking when God comes. It describes the sea boiling when God comes. And it describes rivers bursting out of their banks when God comes. It describes lightning flashing uh, when God comes. And just over and over, a plague coming before God. Just anything that you can think of as an earth-shattering, earth-shaking thing that people would fall down on their knees and say, literally, oh my God. Uh, this is what happens when God shows up. And now, after God has shown up, after God has made his appearance, this is what Habakkuk has to say. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 16 and 19. Also good stuff to underline. I heard and my inward parts trembled. Uh, that's, that's when you're upset. This <laughs> is when, when your inward parts are trembling. Uh, at the sound, my lips quivered, decay entered my bones, and in my place I trembled. Basically, I was shaken in my boots. That's a good translation of that, uh, of that statement. I must wait patiently for the day of distress, for the people to arise who will invade us. Now, get this, verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds feet, and he makes me walk on my high places for the choir director on my string of instruments. Now, we live in a society where we get food from the grocery store or Applebee's or Taco Bell. That's good stuff. Taco Bell had it last night. Anyway, that's the society we live in. Uh, and we, when we hear things like the fig tree uh, will not blossom, there will be no cattle in the fields, we think oh, that's bad for the farmers because none of us are farmers. Uh, but imagine a society where everybody got their food from a field. Imagine a society where everybody got their food from a cow, uh, a literal cow out in the field. Um, and, now, and now read this again. Though the fig tree should not blossom, there, be, there will there be no fruit on the vines. Though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, even then I will trust in God. In our terms, imagine saying it like this. Even if there's no food on the grocery store shelves, if every restaurant closes because there's no food, yet I will trust in God. Can you imagine how much of a disaster that would be? You remember when Y2K was coming and everybody was really upset and everybody was buying canned food and stuffing it in their pantry? Uh, I want to ask for confessions of who bought canned food and, and, and bottled water uh, to stuff in their pantry. Uh, but people were doing that. And, and people started to say, people started to really think about, you know, how long would we survive if all the technology that we depend on shut down? This is what Habakkuk is basically asking, uh, is basically imagining. If everything that we depend on shuts down, I mean, we're facing starvation, basically, is what Habakkuk is saying. Even though we're facing starvation, I will trust in God. I think Habakkuk got the message. Uh, God said the righteous will live by faith. That's what I want from you, Habakkuk, is trust in me. Trust that I have a plan. And after God shows up, after God makes his appearance, Habakkuk says, even if there's no food in the grocery store aisles, I will trust in God. Uh, God... And, and not even trust in God, not even hold out. God is my strength, and he has make my, made my feet like the feet of deer and makes me walk on high places. Uh, not just that I'm going to hold out, but that even in the midst of that, even in the midst of facing starvation, God is going to take me to higher places than I've ever been before. That's kind of a crazy statement of faith. Uh, where in the world did this come from? 
I think the key is that God showed up. Uh, Job, you're familiar with the story of Job, the guy that kind of got a rough deal. Uh, it takes Job is uh, 40 chapters long. It takes two chapters for Job to get in the mess that he gets into. Uh, it takes 34 chapters for Job and his friends to discuss round and round about why this happened, why this happened, why this happened. In chapter 38, God shows up. And God spends a couple of chapters telling Job how it is. <laughs> uh, God spends a couple of chapters explaining to Job, by the way, Job, I'm in charge of the world. I know what's going on in your life. I've got everything under control. And the book of Job ends with Job uh, apologizing to God for doubting him and, uh, being where he, and, and being back where he's supposed to be. Habakkuk spends two chapters asking God, God, why do bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people? And then in chapter 3, God shows up. And Habakkuk says, you know, God, even if I'm facing starvation, I trust that you're going to take me to higher places than I've been before. When God shows up, all the, all the logical questions we have, the bottom just kind of falls out of them. Because God is beyond that. Uh, the people of Israel, uh, after they got destroyed by Babylon, went into exile and they came back. Years and years and years and years passed. And then a man named Jesus came. Uh, Jesus came and said that he was the son of God. Jesus came uh, and basically said that he was going to, that if he said, if you know me, you know the father. Jesus said, if you want to know what God is like, watch me. And then Jesus died on the cross. And then he rose from the dead. Jesus uh, took all these questions about the character. What Habakkuk is asking is a question about the character of God. God, are you sure that you are who you say you are? And are you sure you're about who you, what you say you're about? Because I see good people suffering, and I see bad people uh, really making it. Are you sure you're in control? Jesus, come and an Jesus came and answered that question by dying on the cross and not letting death and sin win and coming back from the dead. God proved once and for all his character on the cross. I can't answer the question, if God is all good and God is all powerful, why do bad things happen to good people? I can't answer that question logically. Uh, there may not be a good logical answer for that question. But what I can tell you is that God proved who he was when Jesus Christ died on the cross and came back from the dead. God had a plan. He worked the plan. The plan didn't make sense to anybody. All the disciples left, remember? Uh, they didn't get it. But he came back from the dead. Jesus Christ lived by faith. And God worked his plan through the faith of Christ. Uh, God worked his plan because of what Jesus did. I can't explain, um, I cannot explain in a way that, even in a way that, that I can really wrap my head around why bad things should happen to good people and good things should happen to bad people. But I can point you again and again and again to places where God has taken bad and turned it into good. And the number one example of that is the cross. Uh, that's just what God does. That's his character. Um, whatever bad is in your life right now, uh, I promise you, because it's over and over and over again in the Bible. Uh, I promise you that God has a plan. That God will find a way to work it for good. If you are, are really frustrated by that statement, I, I would ask you to pray for God to show up. Uh, because all, those, all the questions and worries about that kind of thing just drop out when God shows up. Job had really a lot to be concerned about. And as soon as God shows up, he was okay. Habakkuk really had a lot to be concerned about. And as soon as God showed up, he was okay. Uh, just a word of warning, God doesn't usually show up in the way that we want him to show up. Uh, God doesn't usually show up in the way that we would expect him to show up. But if you ask him and you ask him uh, prayerfully, he'll show up somehow, some way. He'll, he'll show himself. That's who he is. Um, 
Habakkuk is one of the, the unsung books of the Bible. Whenever you're in a position where you cannot figure out what is going on in your life, I encourage you to read uh, chapter 3 of Habakkuk. And remember that when God shows up, uh, faith is restored. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray uh, that your word delivered a word of comfort today. God, I pray that the things that you have done in the past, God, would give us faith for the future. God, that you have shown us over and over and over again who you are. And God, it's easy to to look back and and think that uh, the people of the past had some kind of special insight, God. But they they were going by faith the same as we are, God. I pray for those who are struggling today, God, with any issue that they are struggling with, God, that you would show up in their lives, God, and that you would give them the faith that they need to depend on you, God, to make it through that. Heavenly Father, thank you for the cross and for showing us who you were there. God, if there's anyone here who doesn't have a relationship with you, God, and wants to have a better relationship with you, God, I pray that you would just open up their hearts to seek out anybody in this church, God, and ask them, uh, ask them how to have the kind of relationship where they can ask you, God, to show up, and you will. Heavenly Father, I just ask for your peace on this congregation, God, that you would just bless them. Uh, and that you would be with us the rest of this day and the rest of this week. We ask it in your name. Amen.